And uh, we're going to go to the book of Acts, Acts chapter number 17. And uh, let's all stand together, if you can, this morning in reverence of God's Word. Acts chapter number 17. We're going to look at uh, verse 1 down to verse number 9. And uh, we're looking here into the life of the Apostle Paul as he was uh, on his second missionary journey here with uh, Silas. And uh, we find him uh, in the city of Thessalonica beginning his ministry here in Acts chapter number 17. Starting from verse number 1 down to verse number 9. The Bible says in verse number 1, Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks a great multitude, and of the chief women not a few. But the Jews which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, and gathered a company, and set all the city on an uproar, and assaulted the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. And when they had found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also." Whom Jason hath received, and these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. And when they had taken security of Jason and of the other, they let them go. Let's have a word of prayer together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for your goodness and your grace in our life. And uh, Father, I now pray that as we study and as we look into Acts chapter number 17, as we look into the life and uh, really the character of the Apostle Paul, Lord, I pray that we would be able to take away some principles and some truths this morning that would stir our hearts, uh, that would challenge us, Lord, that we would make a difference for the cause of Christ. Father, we love you. We thank you for this morning. We pray now that you bless the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. As a born-again Christian here this morning, we realize from the Word of God that God has not called us to blend in and to assimilate with this world, but rather He has called us to stand out and make a difference for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think throughout the Scriptures, the Bible teaches that we as Christians are supposed to be distinct and we're supposed to be different from the world. I think about Romans chapter 12, verse number 2. The Bible says, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that he may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so we find throughout the scriptures that God has called us as Christians here this morning that we would be different, uh, that we would be distinct, that we would not be conformed to the things of this world. But furthermore, we find in the Bible that God has called us to be the light. And God has called us not to dim that light, but rather to shine bright the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think about Philippians chapter 2, verse 15. The Bible says that he may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom he shineth lights in the world, holding forth the word of life. And so this, uh, so this morning God has saved us and also God has called us 
out of the darkness of this world. But furthermore, he has commanded us today that we would shine the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in our generation and in our community and in our place that God would have us to serve, that we would make a difference for the cause of our Savior. I love the testimony of the Scottish missionary by the name of John Getty. In the 1840s, he went to the New Hebrides Islands, which is also known as Vanuatu, and he specifically went to the island of Anitium. And it was on this island that he faced much of the threats and the cannibalism and and, uh, much of the difficulty when it came to the barbaric rituals of that land. During that time, his family was constantly under threat of being killed by the, na- uh, by the natives there. And on top of that, he had to learn a language that had no written form uh, when he arrived on that island. Eventually, he was faithful, and by the grace of God, he started seeing uh, one and then a few converts that would come and receive Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And over the duration of the period of his ministry, by the grace of God, John Getty was able to see God change that island through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I love the plaque that was presented to him by his home church that hangs there on that island. In his honor, it simply read these words, when he landed in 1848, there were no Christians here, and when he left in 1872, there were no heathen. And I don't know about you, but that's a wonderful testimony to have, uh, that God and others would be able to say that here was a man and here was a family that came to a city, and when they came, the city was filled with sin, and when they came, there was families that were broken apart because of the sins of this world, but after the duration of their ministry, thank God now there's a lighthouse, and this place has been changed for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that is your desire here this morning. Uh, I pray that is your goal this morning, that for the glory of God, God would place me somewhere and, and I would not blend in, I would not simply assimilate, but I would stand out and I would speak up and make a difference for my Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And you see here this morning, as we look at the life of the Apostle Paul, that's exactly what he did. As we look at his first missionary journey, as we look throughout his second missionary journey, everywhere he went, uh, he impacted that place with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we look at Acts chapter 17 here this morning, we find uh, Paul and Silas beginning their ministry in the city of Thessalonica. Just a few chapters ago, they began their second missionary journey, and Paul and Silas, they uh, traveled from the home church of Antioch, and they went through the region of Cilicia, and then also Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening the churches that they had planted there within their first missionary journey. And we know the story. He desired to go south towards uh, towards the province of Asia, but the Holy Spirit of God suffered him not. And then he wanted to go northeast to the area of Bithynia, and once again, the Holy Spirit of God suffered him not. And so he traveled west to the city of Troas, and it was in that city that he received the Macedonian call. And from there, for the very first time, uh, the gospel went into the continent of Europe. And it was there that he entered to the city of Philippi. And in that city, he met Lydia at the riverside, and she trusted Jesus Christ as her personal Savior. And then later, towards the tail end of his ministry, we find the conversion of the Philippian jailer and his household that were saved and baptized and added to that church. And they became the nucleus of that Philippian church. And Paul and Silas experienced wonderful victories as they were there in the city of Philippi. But at the same time, they faced incredible persecution from the Jews and also the Roman magistrates. And we think about their story as they entered into Philippi. Uh, they, were, they were first opposed with demonic 
uh, spirits. We think about the damsel that was demon-possessed. And then after that, we find the false accusations uh, that were hurled by the owners of that demon-possessed damsel. Uh, After that, we find that they face public beating. Uh, They face public flogging by the lictors, the Roman soldiers who were the rod bearers. And then finally, we find in the scriptures that they were imprisoned without trial against their rights, even though they were Roman citizens. And so they came into the city of Philippi and they experienced wonderful victories and they began and planted that ministry of the church in Philippi. But at the same time, they faced incredible opposition, a lot of physical suffering. And it was after this great ordeal that they leave Philippi and the Bible teaches us that they passed through the city of Amphipolis and then they passed through the city of Apollonia and then they came really to the heart of Macedonia, which was the city of Thessalonica. Thessalonica was the capital city of the Roman province of Macedonia. It was the commercial and the political center for the Roman Empire in that region. And it was in this city of Thessalonica that Paul and his team are accused by the enemies that they had turned the world upside down. In verse number 6 of Acts chapter 17... It says, and when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, these that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. And we realize in the context that this was an accusation made uh, by the enemies of Paul and Silas, but at the same time, it was a wonderful compliment. That by the preaching and the ministry of the Apostle Paul uh, throughout the Roman world and throughout almost every single city in Asia Minor and soon to be in Macedonia and also in the region of Achaia, that they were followers of the Lord Jesus Christ because of the ministry of the Apostle Paul and the preaching of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And wherever Paul went and whatever city he entered to, by the time he left, we find here that he changed that place upside down by disrupting their religious systems and their way of life through the preaching of the gospel. And Paul was a man that changed his known world. He was a man that made a difference. Uh, He was a man that was faithful in preaching the gospel and shining the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we look at the character of the Apostle Paul, I want you to notice with me uh, three characteristics concerning this man from Acts chapter number 17 that turned his world upside down for the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, I want you to notice with me as we look at the scriptures, I find here that Paul was a man of courage. Uh, He was a man that was courageous. He was bold uh, in his witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse number 1 and 2, the Bible says, Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue of the Jews, and Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them. Now keep in mind, it's only been a short while since Paul left the city of Philippi. He would have still been in a lot of pain from the sufferings from that city. However, he travels uh, through the other two cities and approximately a 100 miles all the way over to the city of Thessalonica. And the Bible does not teach us or it does not say that he took any time to rest. And, and uh, we know from the scriptures that he did not contemplate in changing his strategy or maybe watering down the message. But rather we find here that in his entrance into Thessalonica, he courageously does exactly what he did in every other city that he entered. And he boldly preached the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
I think about how Paul described it when he wrote his first epistle to the church in Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. He says, For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance and unto you, that it was not in vain, but even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as ye know, at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. And that word bold there means to be confident in spirit. And I want us to recognize here this morning an important note that Paul's boldness and his confidence did not come from himself, but we find very clearly in the scriptures that his boldness came from God. And it says there in 1 Thessalonians that they were bold in their God. And you see this morning our courage and our boldness doesn't come from ourselves. Uh, It doesn't come from maybe a strong personality, and it doesn't come from our talents and our abilities, and it doesn't come from our strength or our intelligence here this morning, but boldness and courage and the work of God comes from the Holy Spirit of God. It comes from the anointing and the filling of the Spirit of God. It is through God's Spirit that He gives us courage. And it is through God's Spirit that He gives us boldness. And it is through God's Spirit that He gives us power here this morning. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, the Bible says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And you see this morning, if we're going to make a difference in this world for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ, we don't need new methods. Now understand, some methods are helpful, and and we realize that we need to be discerning concerning that fact, but we don't really need new methods, and we don't really need new marketing techniques, and we definitely don't need a new Bible, but what we desperately need here this morning is a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit of God upon our lives. And I'm praying here this morning that some of the men and, and some of the folks here within this room that we would capture this truth and there'd be a burning desire that we would spend time in the Word of God and there'd be a burning desire that we spend time uh, within our prayer clauses that we would be anointed, that we would be filled so that we could make a difference in our world for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, the Bible says, Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. And here Zechariah is saying, if you're going to accomplish a great work for God, it's not going to come by human might. And it's not going to come by human power. That word might there is speaking about a force or resources. It's denoting a force or a resource of men such as a standing army. And then that word might there in the scriptures or that word power, I'm sorry, is speaking about to be firm and to be vigor. And it denotes a personal power and an individual determination. And what Zechariah is saying there to the people of Israel is if we're going to see victory and if we're going to see success and if we're really going to make a difference for our God, then it's not going to come by the outside resources. Uh, it's not going to come by, by, uh, by creating a league with the nations that are neighboring our nation. It's not going to come by outside resources, nor is it going to come by our personal determination and our personal resoluteness within us, but it can only come by the Spirit of God. And you see this morning we have churches and we have Christians by the thousands, if not millions, that are operating in the power of the flesh. And not by the power of God. I think about what Vance Hafner said. He said, we say we depend on the Holy Spirit. But actually we are so wired up with our own devices that if the fire does not fall from heaven, we can turn on a switch and produce false fire of our own. 
If there's no sound of a rushing wind, we have the furnace all set to blow hot air instead. God save us from a synthetic Pentecost. And you see here this morning as we look throughout the early church, uh, those who truly made a difference for that first century church and those that truly made a difference for God, those who stood up and spake up boldly for the cause of Christ, often we find were unlearned men and often they were ignorant men in the scriptures, but they knew one thing, they knew how to be filled uh, with the power of God upon their lives. I think about Peter, he was simply a fisherman. Uh, he was an unlearned man. He was an ignorant man. And, and that's where the religious leaders made fun of people like Peter, that they did not have the right religious education within their life. He was simply a fisherman, but he boldly stood up at Pentecost and faithfully preached the gospel to the Jews that were gathered at Jerusalem. And the Bible says that Peter and the other disciples were able to do this because they were filled with the Spirit of God. It says in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I think about Stephen also within the first century. He was the first martyr of Christianity. And we think about his bold stand where he stood firm on his faith despite the stones that were being hurled against his body. Despite the broken bones, he stood faithfully for the Lord. And the Bible teaches us that he was filled with the Spirit of God. In Acts chapter 7, verse 54, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And then I think about the first century church in general throughout the scriptures that we find in the book of Acts. They were bold to preach the gospel during a time when they were under heavy persecution, uh, not only from the Jews, but also from the Roman Empire. And we find in Acts chapter 4, verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they, sp and they spake the word of God with boldness. And you see here this morning what we desperately need are some courageous Christians that would stand up in a dark and a crooked and a perverse nation and shine brightly the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. But that courage and that boldness uh, does not come from our talents and it does not come from our abilities and it does not come from our intelligence, but it must come from the filling and the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. And so we find here this morning that Paul was a courageous man. He was a man that was bold because he was filled with the Spirit of God. But then I want you to notice, secondly, not only was he courageous, but we find here in the Scriptures that also he was consistent. And I find here that although Paul faced a lot of opposition, he did not compromise and he did not change, but he remained consistent within his ministry. And I find here, first of all, in verse number 2, that he was consistent when it came to his method. It says, and Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them. And that phrase there, as his manner was, is speaking about his custom. It is speaking about his habit. And oftentimes when we think about habits, we think about bad habits. Maybe the habit of, of biting your nails or, or maybe the habit of procrastination uh, in our lives. But then there are also good habits that we think about. Uh, maybe the habit of eating a healthy breakfast or maybe the habit of exercising regularly within our life. And here, as we think about the Apostle Paul, he had some good habits. And one habit that we find here within the Scriptures continually in the life of the Apostle Paul was that he had the habit, wherever he went, to go to where the people were and to preach the gospel and to be a public witness for the Lord. That was his custom and that was his manner. 
I think about when he entered into the city of Athens. Paul not only went into the synagogue, but the Bible says he also went into the marketplace, which is known as the Agora, which was the city center where much of the activity took place within those, uh, within those cities there. And he went right into the center of where all the people were. Uh, he didn't simply wait at the corner of the city and wait for all of them to come to him, but he went out to where the people were and he sought out the lost people and he preached to them the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 17, verse 16, it says, Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with him. And I think about what Warren Wiersbe said. He said, uh, Paul arrived in the great city of Athens, not as a sightseer, but as a soul winner. And I want to encourage you here this morning that you would stay consistent when it comes to the method of winning souls for the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you that you would stay consistent in going out to where they are, that you would go to their house, that you would go to the park, that you would go to the city square, wherever it is that lost people are, that we would go and we would engage them and share with them the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what the Apostle Paul did. And everywhere he went, he engaged the people and he preached to them the gospel, the saving message about our Savior. And sometimes when he went there, he saw multitudes trusting Christ as their personal Savior as he did in the city of Berea. And sometimes when he went to go preach the gospel, he saw maybe just a handful of people getting saved as he did in the city of Athens. And sometimes when he went out there, uh, people were very harsh and they persecuted him and there was strong opposition against his efforts. But no matter what the results were, he did not change his manner and he did not change his method, but he remained consistent in going out into the public and being a witness and a soul winner for Jesus Christ. Now, I realize this morning that there are other methods in winning souls and reaching people with the gospel. And God has given us some wonderful tools in the 21st century. But, but could I simply say this morning, let us never neglect the baseline of witnessing. And let us never neglect the baseline when it comes to ministry. And that is to go. And that is to reach people, and that is to see them face to face, and, and that is to knock on their door, that is to confront them at the restaurant, wherever it might be, to go and tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ. And we must be consistent when it comes to that method of reaching people for the Lord. I remember when I went on deputation, there was... Uh, there were people that I met and there were pastors that I met and these were independent Baptist churches and pastors and, and I remember uh, some of them that discouraged me in the area of soul winning. And I think they had the right intentions within their heart as they were uh, giving me some counsel. But they said something along these lines. They said, Paul, uh, that really doesn't work anymore. And that's really just a waste of time. And, and you're going to get a, a better return on your investment uh, if you go out there and you put up some Facebook ads. Or if you kind of fix up your Yelp page. Or, or if you kind of fix up your website. And, and I'm not against any of that. Uh, I think we ought to do everything that we need to do to reach people with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But let us never do that in sacrifice or in substitution of going out and meeting people face to face. And confronting them and letting them know that they're sinners and that Jesus Christ loves them and died for them. And they could be saved by faith. Believing in Jesus Christ. And that needs to be a consistent method that we maintain.
And thank God for what you get taught here at West Coast Baptist College. Uh, Thank God for for many of the principles. And I think about all the quotes that are always said behind this pulpit that have been ingrained in my mind, especially from Pastor Chapel. And I remember the one quote, keep the main thing the main thing, and the main thing is soul winning and reaching souls with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And many people say that soul winning doesn't work, but could I suggest this morning that it worked in the first century and it works still in the 21st century as well. I think about Kim Nguyen. I, I had the privilege to knock on her door about five months ago. And uh, I remember when she came to the door, she was, she was very happy and joyful. And, and I remember presenting our church and why we were there. And, and the first thing she said to me was, I'm a Jehovah Witness. I go to the Kingdom Hall, and, uh, and, and I'm proud of that. I love where I go, and they're so great to me. And, and in the back of my mind, I was thinking, all right, let's just, let's just move on, and, and let's go find somebody that's open to the gospel. But, but, but we, just, we, we started carrying a conversation, and about 20 minutes led to about an hour, and, and, uh, and she invited us in. And so we went in and met her husband and met the family, and, and we sat down there just sharing to her the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ and just trying to answer a lot of questions uh, that she had when it came to the Bible. And... And uh, to make a long story short, I remember after several visits and after several hours of going back and presenting to her the gospel once again and and showing to her that there really is a heaven and a hell, uh, that we do not just go into soul sleep. There is no such thing as annihilation. And and heaven is not limited to just 144,000, but everyone could go and uh, be with God and be saved. And and I remember that evening when I was sitting there across from the dining table with my wife and and, uh, after about two hours of presenting the gospel over and over and going through scripture and comparing with her New World Translation with my King James Bible and and showing her the differences and what the Bible teaches concerning the deity of Christ. I remember after that two hours, she looked at me and she had tears streaming down her face and she said, Paul, she said, I now realize and I now believe that Jesus is God. And a few moments after that, she bowed her head and she accepted Jesus Christ as her personal savior. The very next day, she sent us a text and she said, I just canceled my Bible studies with the Kingdom Hall. Uh, I'm not going back to the Jehovah Witnesses. And she was there on that Sunday in church and she kept coming. She got baptized at our church. And uh, we thank God for how God worked within her life. But what I'm trying to say here this morning is I would have probably never met Kim. If I waited for her to darken the doors of my church, she would have probably never come into Hillcrest Baptist Church. If I was waiting for an opportunity to see her at the park or or maybe at the restaurant, I would have probably never encountered her and her family. But she was a house on a soul-winning map, and that morning was a soul-winning time. And we went out and knocked on that door, and there she was. And who knew what God was doing within her heart? But that doesn't happen if we're not consistent in our method. And so Paul was consistent in his method and, and quickly here this morning also he was consistent in his message. The Bible says in three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scriptures opening alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. It says that he reasoned, he disputed, he expounded, uh, he explained, he discussed when it came uh, to the truth concerning the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we find throughout the Bible that to the Jews uh, this message about Christ about the suffering servant was unheard 
heard of. They were expecting a sovereign Messiah that would come and overthrow the Roman Empire and free the Jews from that enslavement. But we find here to them this was unheard of. To the Greeks, the Bible says this was absurdity. They thought it was a fairy tale. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23, it says, But we preach Christ crucified and the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. And despite their rejection towards the message, Paul remained consistent in preaching the pure gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that Jesus was and is the Messiah of the Old Testament, that Jesus was and he is God himself manifested in the flesh, that he's not just some wonderful prophet, that he wasn't just some wonderful teacher, but he was the God-man. He was God himself that came down to die on the cross for our sins and that you could not go to heaven through good works or through any form of religiosity or by upholding the law. But the only way to be saved is by faith, by grace, through the Lord Jesus Christ. And you see this morning, it is that very message that our world needs. Uh, It's that message that we must lift up high. It's that message that we must shine throughout the cities here in California, uh, throughout Florida and Texas and every other place around the world. We must lift high the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. For it is this very message that the world needs to hear. For it is only through this message that can change a person's life. And it is only through this message that can change the world. For the Bible teaches us that this message is the very power of God. And in Romans 1.16 it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18, it says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. And it's the gospel message here this morning that can change a drunkard into a child of God. And it's the gospel message here this morning that can change the prostitute into a saint. And it's the gospel message here this morning that can change an atheist into a friend of God. And it's the gospel message here this morning that can change a dark, sin-filled city into a place with families that love God and a place of families that live for God. And that's what the world needs here this morning. They don't need some self-help type of humanism that comes from mankind, but they need the gospel that comes from God about their salvation. And so here this morning, let me encourage you, we must be courageous. We must be bold. If we, if we desire to do anything for God, we must have boldness. But that boldness doesn't come from our skills and our experience. It comes from the Holy Spirit of God. And then we must be consistent. We must be consistent in our method. We must be consistent in our message. And then finally here this morning, I want you to realize with me, not only courageous and consistent, but then lastly we find that Paul continued. He continued, he remained faithful unto the Lord. I want you to notice with me the conflict that comes to the new church here, uh, to Paul and the church in Thessalonica. In verse number 5, it says, But the Jews which believed not moved with envy took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, and gathered a company, and set all the city on an uproar, and assaulted the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also, whom Jason hath received, and these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. And when they had taken security of Jason and of the other, they let them go. 
And you see, whenever we are courageous and whenever we are consistent in propagating the truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, it is only a matter of time before we're going to face conflict. And uh, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.12, Yea, and all that will live godly uh, in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. I think about the testimony of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 16.9, For a great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. And Paul, on his missionary journeys, faced a lot of conflict, especially here in the city of Thessalonica. But thank God, as we think about the testimony of the Apostle Paul, he did not quit And he did not slow down, but he continued in what God had called him to do. And in the very next verse, in verse number 10 of our chapter, it says, And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. And uh, what do you think Paul did when he entered into Berea? uh, As soon as he got there, he didn't slow down. He didn't ponder upon the persecution that he faced in Thessalonica. He wasn't worried about what happened over in Philippi. He wasn't concerned that the Jews in Thessalonica were now going to follow him to Berea and continue their opposition. But as soon as he entered into the city, he was courageous, he was consistent, and then he continued once again in preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And thank God this morning that Paul continued. He continued until his final breath in 2 Timothy chapter 4. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. I thank God not only did Paul continue, but also we find in the scriptures that Jason continued. The new convert here in Thessalonica in Romans chapter 16 verse 21, which was written by Paul eight years after the planting of the church at Thessalonica. He says, Timotheus, my work fellow, and Lucius, and Jason, and Sosipater, my kinsman, salute you. And Jason, despite the conflict that he faced at the beginnings of the church at Thessalonica, he continued and remained faithful unto the Lord. And then I think about the church at Thessalonica as a whole, they continued, the Bible says. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. And as they continued in the work of God, the Bible teaches that their faith made a difference throughout the world. In verse number 6 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, it says, And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God's word is spread, abo- spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. And you see this morning, if we desire to make a difference and to turn our world upside down for the Lord Jesus Christ, yes, we must be courageous, and yes, we must be consistent, but then we must continue. And I think about many missionaries that were courageous in leaving their home and going to the foreign field, and they were consistent in their witness for the Lord Jesus Christ, but only as they continued, only as they were faithful and remained as the Lord led them, did they truly make a difference for the Lord. I think about William who went to the country of India, labored for seven years in preaching before finally seeing his first Hindu convert come to Christ. And thank God he continued. And he remained faithful. And he made a difference. And he changed this world for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think also about Adnaim Judson. He labored for seven years in the country of Burma before he saw his first convert. And he remained faithful and continued and changed his world with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember several years ago, I was out soul winning in the city of Gardena when I was working for my dad. 
And uh, I went out with one of my friends. His name was Jimmy. Now he's my brother-in-law, missionary to Japan. And uh, we got out to a street. We took a map. He took one side. I took the other side. And, and uh, long story short, after it was done, he came back to me just really excited. He, you could tell he wanted to tell me something about what took place. And, and, uh, and he told me the story. He said, I just, I just met a gentleman as I was knocking on this door, and, and he's from Burma. He's a Burmese man. And I asked him if he was saved, and he knew he was, he was absolutely certain about his salvation. And, and he said, I was just kind of uh, interested. And so I asked him, how did you get saved? And who led you to Christ? And, and he told him the person that led him to Christ. And, and then he just couldn't stop. So he said, who led that person to Christ? And amazingly, this person knew the, the history or the lineage of who led who to Christ. And eventually his family was one to the Lord. And as he was talking to that Burmese man, they traced it all the way back. To this faithful missionary in the 1700s, Adoniram Judson. And I remember thinking in my heart as he told me that story, thank God he did not quit in year four. Thank God he did not quit in year five. Thank God he did not quit in year six without seeing one convert come to Christ. But he continued. He remained faithful. And he made a difference for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul made a difference everywhere he went. Because he was courageous, because he was consistent, he did not change. And because he continued, he would not stop. He continued and remained faithful to do the work that God had called him to do.